Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. 106 is the time here at KSL News Radio. This time each day this week, uh, we're going to take a, a specific look at some of the legislation and efforts up on Utah's Capitol Hill within the realm of uh, firearms and the Second Amendment. We are in the final days of the general session of the Utah State Legislature, and you know, uh, I am a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Second Amendment enthusiast, enthusiast, and I uh, very much uh, find pleasure in uh, you know the safe use of uh, firearms. I enjoy target shooting and hunting, and I talked yesterday about my newest hobby, uh, armoring. It's like it's like gunsmithing, but uh, I lack I lack the skill of a gunsmith, right? I don't have uh, the craftsman's touch. And armoring, uh, it's just a, a simpler a simpler type of uh, putting guns together. You uh, similar to Legos, buy a bunch of parts, throw them together, and, and there you have it. Yeah, you can get a little creative and customize this and that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that's my hobby these days, and uh, I, for that matter, I pay very close attention to the the proposed legislation that is each year uh, proposed and voted upon and debated and amended on Utah's Capitol Hill, including uh, resolutions, including resolutions that uh, seek to uh, communicate certain attitudes held by the legislative body. And that brings us to the conversation of today with Representative uh, Douglas Sagers. Uh, And I welcome him to the program now. Representative, sir, how are you? I'm doing well, Lee. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I have to tell you, I don't know you that well, but I already like you. And here's why. It, it, kind of a silly story, but I was unsure exactly how to pronounce your last name, Sagers. And one of the uh, one of the tools and tricks we use here in the news business, if you're unsure of how to pronounce someone's name, but you don't want to uh, like let them know you don't know how to pronounce it, you go online and try to find videos where uh, news folks have referred to them or they themselves have introduced them, uh, said their own name. And I, I did that uh, this morning, getting ready for this conversation, and I encountered, here's a video that I found. It goes back to a campaign of yours, and the video was uh, various clips of uh, your family members and grandchildren uh, speaking very highly of you. There was one such clip from a granddaughter that characterized you as the type that when in a museum that you will stop and read the description of every exhibit. And uh, I, I do the same myself. Uh, I'm glad to hear there are others out there that do the same. And uh, and with that, uh, let's just say that here on our first conversation, you're already a friend. How you doing? I'm doing very good. And by the way, uh, I consider you a friend as well based on your uh, lead-in comments. Uh, I share them, and uh, I admire you for for doing the same. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you just yesterday, uh, if my information is correct, introduced a joint, resolution, a joint resolution affirming the legislature's commitment to the Second Amendment. I, I characterize the resolution as uh, essentially a, uh, a summary of the attitude of the legislature. Tell me why. Tell me why a resolution like this is, is important. And again, it is affirming uh, the, the legislature's uh, support and commitment to the, the Second Amendment. Well, why is it important for you to introduce something like this? Well, it, it seems like I wake up every morning 
and uh, Washington's imposing some type of new law, regulation, or effort to uh, infringe upon state rights. I find that very disconcerting. This morning, it was voting rights. They want to make sure that the federal government is in charge of voting rights rather than the states. But that's an entirely different subject. Uh, I'm deeply concerned about our Second Amendment rights and the effort to uh, by the uh, lawmakers at the Capitol to infringe upon those. Um, our state constitution affirms that right. The U.S. Constitution affirms that right, that we have the right to keep and bear arms. And uh, there's been litigation that sustains that. And it's just, it's just a, a, I'll call it a, a warning shot across the bow of the federal government that we're not going to allow them to infringe upon our constitutional rights. More specifically, our right to keep and bear arms. Um, when that was in, included in the Constitution, there was a good reason for it. Uh, and that's been upheld for, you know, decades. And uh, right now, it seems like every time I, I think about Washington and look at the uh, fence around the Capitol, it seems like that should become a national zoo. Yeah. Uh, th- this this resolution, what uh, it, what it would do is uh, assert certain attitudes. It will walk through uh, certain views of the Second Amendment as adjudicated by the Supreme Court that we, in fact, do have uh, a right to, to self-defense, to keep and bear arms. And once and if it is voted upon, it allows lawmakers to essentially uh, plant their flag in the sand and communicate to constituents and all uh, residents here in the state of Utah and elsewhere uh, where they stand on on this issue. Uh, I admire you for doing it. I, I agree with uh, the whereas sections and the therefores and uh, it's a lot of uh, legislative text there. But uh, the message contained within is is very important. And you talk about how there are efforts uh, from Washington uh, and elsewhere. Some of them are, you know, back rooms uh, by lobbyists and folks like that who are working against the the Second Amendment. And there are those uh, in power right now in in sufficient number to to bring about. Uh, you know, certain regulatory changes that would not be uh, too welcome to those supporters of the Second Amendment. Uh, we have just a, f- a few moments left here, sir, and I want to ask you, uh, outside of this uh, this resolution here, uh, do, do you remember Do you remember your very first firearm? Yes, I do. What, uh, Absolutely. What was, what was a, it, and how did you come to have a, it? <laughs> it was a cork gun. Uh, my parents bought it when I was about five years old and shot corks. Oh, okay. I I graduated from there where my next uh, firearm was a 22. I lived in the country, used to go out and hunt and, you know, shoot my 22, just plink. Do you remember the, my do next you, gun remember was the model? A, do you remember the, the 22 model? It was actually belonging to my dad, and it's probably, oh, geez, probably 80 years old by now. I still have it. Is that right? Uh, m- maybe one of those bolt actions that came from the Sears catalog. Any chance of that? Very likely. Oh. Uh. And then after that, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna, I was going to ask what come ne- what came next. It was a 12 gauge shotgun I got from Christmas when I was 12 years old. Model it was I can't remember the model number, but I still have that gun as well. After that, when I was old enough to deer hunt, I'd go to a store over in Tula, in a place called Newtown, and uh, run by an Italian guy named Joe Busico, and I'd rent a gun from him to go deer hunting. Oh, you'd you'd so rent a gun. I, I've never, except for at the range, I've never I've never encountered that option. Yeah, and it's, you know, being young and sixteen, it was difficult to buy. It, it, you know, I didn't have the funds to buy a deer rifle. Sure. And later on, I bought a deer rifle when I turned eighteen and was working. 
they've been an avid hunter ever since. Mm. Uh, my 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 first firearm was well, I think I had a BB gun when I was when I was very young, and then uh, my first uh, you know actual firearm was uh, a twenty two. It was a, a Norinco make, but it was designed by John Moses Browning. Uh, if you've ever seen it, uh, hmm. the the Norinco model they call it an SA twenty two. And it does two interesting things. Number one, uh, you can take it down. You can you can essentially detach the barrel from the action and stock. And then also, uh, interestingly, it loads uh, through through the stock. There's a little port to slide your 22 rounds in there. Holds about 15 or 16 of them. Uh, that was my first firearm, uh, a gift from my dad. We shot it at the gravel pit. Uh, that was after I got done watching my uh, Eddie Eagle safety video from the NRA. Stop, don't touch, leave the area, uh, tell an adult. He added to that, keep your finger off the trigger, keep the muzzle pointed in a safe direction, and treat every firearm as if it was loaded. Uh, anyway, sir, listen, our, our time's expired. I could chat guns with you all day, and I'm grateful to you for this resolution. I wish you the best of luck, and I look forward to more conversations in the future. Sounds good. It's good to talk to you. Thank you. Likewise, Have a sir. good day. All righty, we're going to take a th- thanks for that indulgence. Uh, you, you know me, I, I like uh, chatting guns. And hey, if you wanna if you wanna share some of the details of your first firearm, I I, uh, I like knowing about uh, you know what parents or uh, what they choose to give to their kids as their first firearm. If that's something in your family, you know, I don't disparage anyone who's not into uh, firearms, not not at all. And maybe uh, you know maybe you're not giving firearms to your children, or maybe you didn't receive one uh, a- as a child, a responsible, safe child, of course. Uh, but five seven five zero zero Utah Community Credit Union text line. Let me know. I'd like to I'd like to trade notes with you. A quick break. When we return, uh, we're heading back to Washington, and we're going to take a look at an effort to revive the forbidden earmarks. Yeah, what's that about? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.